Welcome to the Warrior Woman Podcast for authentic, autonomous, birthy women of faith. I'm your host and newbie to podcasting, Julie Nitz. My main focus is around the birth cycle, but in no way is any of this medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. It's a sacred journey. Come to your own conclusions, make your own choices, and own them. Hey everyone, today we're going to be talking about the fourth trimester, the first three months after birth where you and your baby make the transition from life on the inside with baby to life on the outside with baby. For many Americans, life pretty much goes back to pre-pregnancy state, or at least that seems to be the typical goal. But for many women around the world, the transition is much more sacred and filled with grace. We'll learn what some other cultures do and why, as well as some practical tips that embrace this sacred approach. But first, I wanted to say thank you to all the listeners who are listening. Um, Right now, there's almost 500 downloads of this podcast, and, um, and it is being listened to in over 14 countries, which is super cool. So I just wanted to say thank you and keep sharing. So this first part of this episode, I wanted to share a little bit about my own postpartum journey. I have birthed 11 babies and my first four um, births were in the hospital and had the typical, you know, postpartum planning or lack thereof, I suppose. Um, I never really thought about the postpartum time besides my husband would take off a couple weeks after the birth. He would take vacation time so that he could be with me, uh, take care of the other children as more children came along. And then I lived close enough to my mom that she was able to come over and do some laundry and and do a few things. Um, But there was nothing really planned about it besides that. It was just kind of a, this is, you know, what we do. And I didn't put a lot of thought into it. And honestly, I would start to dread that part because I knew that I needed to rest some, at least. Um, And even if I could uh, get back to normal, that it didn't resonate within me. I knew within my body that that's not the way of things. And I knew I could feel myself feeling frustrated when I would try to just get back to normal. And so I kind of dreaded that time where I would feel like, you know, the house wasn't going to be clean as... I wanted it to be um, that I had to choose between resting and bonding with my babies or having a clean house and meals on the table and not feeling uh, frustrated for letting the family down. Some of that was just internal dialogue that I had with myself and some of it really is um, coming from societal pressures and my own family, my own um, husband and even my mom, bless her heart. Um, she was happy to help, but there was almost this, uh, sense of, well, I never had any help whenever I had my children and I just got back to doing everything I needed to do, uh, which is the story I hear from a lot of women, my mom's age and older, and even in some of this generation, but just because, um, they did it and that they were able to doesn't mean that they aren't reaping some long-term issues Um, that they may not have connected their postpartum times to. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. So then um, 
for my fifth birth, it was um, a planned free birth or unassisted birth. And I really didn't know much about planning for the postpartum or the fourth trimester then either. Um, you know, all of that, uh, the planning and the work and the research went towards having my free birth and knowing what to do in that um, experience. And so, again, postpartum really wasn't on my radar until after that birth. And like I said, everything went okay. I lived close enough to my mom. She helped out a little bit. Our church brought us meals. And then my, I believe my husband took off one week after that baby to stay home and help. And we had our own um, little um, traditions that we do after baby. Maybe I'll talk about that from one of the upcoming uh, episodes, because this is just going to be uh, an in general fourth trimester podcast, and then I hope to break it down even um, in more detail and give some great ideas and ways that you can make your postpartum time a blessing for you and your family. So um, anyways, going back to my postpartum times, it was after the birth of my fifth baby that I really started researching about what other um, cultures do postpartum and and what that looks like because I know basically in American culture it's so different here that there isn't really much mentioned you know you have your baby you go home one or two days after the birth they tell you not to uh, pick anything up heavier than your baby and I'll see you in six weeks Um, but then I I actually, I think I was watching an episode of Oprah and she mentioned in other countries, or maybe it was a guest that there was this 40 day period where, um, women were able to rest and were taken care of by the community. They were able to bond with their babies and that other women took care of the younger children or the older children and household work. Some went back to stay with their mothers. Some um, had their mothers move in or in-laws. There was all kinds of ways this looked like and it just clicked for the first time that, oh my gosh, we are not supposed to do this alone. We are not supposed to get right back into our old life, right? Because you can't really ever even do that, can you? Things will be different forever. So then I I did a little bit more planning with baby number six, and I actually started um, a program within my church for women where we, um, or where I uh, scheduled uh, meals for for women. And of course, my goal was to to do this 40-day, you know, support. And I had a meeting with the ladies of my, it was either my homeschool group or maybe a mommy group. Um, actually I think that's what it was. I actually, I already, I had started a mommy and me group, um, at my church too. And so I was talking to the ladies about doing this and just really rallying around the new moms. Cause we went to a big church. There was always women having babies and, you know, for the most part, they were all like, wow, that sounds wonderful. We would love that. But then there was a couple ladies that were just like, that's not going to happen. That's impossible. Um, you know, 40 days is too long. You need to just really be back into your regular life. And, uh, I felt really put off by that, that other women wouldn't want to at least try to give support. I mean, what is too much support, right? 
and especially in a culture where we're super um, reclusive, I think, especially now that there's social media and, you know, we don't connect as much with other people as I think we should and can. Um, yeah, it was, I, I think I was really super sad about that to hear that other women didn't want to do that. So I ended up being trying to come up with two weeks of meals at least five days a week and, you know, some kind of housework or childcare. And really, I never had anybody take me up on the housekeeping or childcare part of it. It was always just, oh, we'll take a meal. Um, so that was, you know, basically from number baby number six, I did have uh, a meal train. Babies number seven, eight, and nine, I had in Alabama. We had moved. We had a different community and fellowship and for the most part um our com- my community friends and fellowship brought us some meals and I did have my mom came I think for two of those from Florida to help me out postpartum and that was a huge blessing to me but I know that most people don't have that and you know or maybe they have the opportunity, but they don't have good relationships with family members to, to provide that. So I'm not trying to simplify this, but I am trying to, um, expand our, our perspective on these things. And the, my intention is to help us to know that we need this time for health, for healing, for mental health. I know recently they just released a new drug for postpartum depression and I really believe that planning well for the fourth trimester and um, taking in the seriousness of this time for our long-term and short-term health is of the utmost importance. Um, Yeah, well, my best postpartum time was for baby number 10 and 11. They, um, two different births, uh, two different fourth trimesters. I planned a whole lot of activities for my older children because I have mommy guilt, um, like a lot of you do, of, of taking this time away from my family. I tried the last two babies to follow the 555 rule, which we'll talk about later. Um, but in essence, it's 15 days of staying in your bedroom after birth. And so I needed to have some activities, ways to connect with my older children so that they knew that I loved them and didn't feel like I was pulling away from them, but doing my best to um, build connections with the new baby and to heal my body so that I could fully be their mom once my postpartum nest time nesting time was over. Um, let me think. Was there something else I wanted to say about... Oh, with my, my 11th baby, my best friend came in and stayed with me at the end of my pregnancy and she helped me. That was an immense help. Her and her husband and her children came and stayed, um, and they hung out and she made sure I ate at the end of pregnancy and she helped with the cooking and the cleaning. And then she was there for my birth, which was amazing. I absolutely loved having her there. And then she stayed for about eight eight or nine days after birth and again helped at the cooking and the cleaning and um, entertaining my children and it was absolutely amazing that was I did the best after 
um, that first year after that baby than I had with any of my other babies. I dealt with um, less irritation and anxiety. Uh, I, and no one really told me that postpartum depression can come out in anger um, and that it's not just crying and sadness. And so that's in the past, that's how it has come out in me. And so I had lost a lot less anger and frustration in my uh, postpartum time that first year after my baby was born. And so it was amazing having having that. And we planned for it. And, you know, they were here, I think, for over three weeks. It might have been four weeks that they were here total with me. And it took time out of their, their schedules. They had to travel all the way from Tennessee to Arizona. <clears throat> so there are so many ways that you can honor the fourth trimester. And I just wanted to share a little bit about my stories and, and my progression. And that sometimes it doesn't happen overnight, but that you figure it out eventually. Um, so I'd like to start out with this quote from the book, The Fourth Trimester by Kimberly Ann Johnson. And in it, she says, quote, what is natural has become countercultural. What is necessity is now considered luxury. What is luxury is now considered necessity. What is instinctual is foreign. What should be innate has to be relearned, end quote. And I feel like that sums it all up entirely. Um, it, it reminds me of breastfeeding. I usually tell this to friends and clients that breastfeeding, even though it's completely natural, it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy or that it necessarily feels um, intuitive even because so much of what used to be natural to us, so much of what used to be modeled to us by our mothers, sisters, aunts, um, other women in the community, we don't see anymore. Most women have never seen a birth until their own birth and haven't really been around breastfeeding much. And when they are, it's by women who feel the need to completely cover up. So they've never even seen a woman latch their own baby to their breast. And so there's so many things that we should learn just in our day-to-day life, being in community with other women that we don't know and we don't have because of the way our culture has sexualized breastfeeding, sexualized women's bodies, um, built so much fear around birth. And so then we deal with those fears um, in that fourth trimester of not really feeling like we know what to do because we've not seen other women do it. Um, so how long is a woman postpartum? I've always said that a woman is postpartum forever because you're never going to be the same again. No matter how many babies you have, you postpartum means after the baby's birth. And so you're always postpartum. Now, how long of a reprieve you take after the birth depends on many factors, like maybe your beliefs about the sacredness of birth, family and community support, priorities, and even your sense of worthiness. Many women feel selfish or lazy, or perhaps like some kind of diva for carving out time and space to heal, adapt, and bond with their baby, which makes me really sad because it really isn't um, a luxury. It's a necessity. Most women try to get back to superwoman only a few days after birth by squeezing back into their jeans, strapping their baby into a car seat, and running around town 
or maybe it's heading out to that Thanksgiving celebration that they don't want to miss. So there's no contest or medal of honor for this behavior. So let's um, honor our roles as mothers and honor our creator by uh, embracing the wisdom he's given us in Leviticus chapter 6 verses 1 through 8 because in there it gives us the permission to have a reprieve and the instructions on the length of time. Um, so in, in, I just want to be clear that in those passages it talks about being unclean, quote unquote, which is just a bad interpretation of the word tame and there's not a really great English equivalent of it. But that word does not mean that you are in sin. It is not sin to have a baby and to be bleeding. It's just a time of separation from the normal duties of life. A time that I believe that our creator gave women as a gift for rest, healing, and bonding. Isn't the, And it's not just a time of bonding with your baby. It's a time for bonding with the community women. This is where we build relationships. This is where we bond together because when you are in a state of needing help from other people and they come alongside you and give you that help and give you that support and pray with you and cry with you and bring you a meal, it creates a connection. In our culture, we've become so independent where we behave in ways that we don't need anybody and then people stop offering support and it just creates even more disconnection which we have a huge problem of right now where people feel in in a in a time and space where we can connect with each other instantly via text and social media and email and all of those things we studies show that we feel the most disconnected than any other time so when when women come beside another woman during this time, it creates these bonding times, creates these connections that our souls are longing for. So what do other cultures, both ancient and modern, do to honor the sacredness of the postpartum? The Chinese have the Zaoyuze, which is 30 days of tough love split between mom and mother-in-law who takes care of the children and household duties, keeps mom warm, cooks warm, nourishing foods. And you'll see some similarities um, as I go along and explain some of these. In India and Japan, moms go back to their mother's home to take, be care, taken care of for six weeks. In Latin America, they have the La Quarantena, which is 40 days of rest, warm soups, massage, and belly wrapping. Malaysia has the Pontong, which is seclusion for, guess what, 40 days, hot stone massage, full body exfoliation, herbal baths, mother and or mother-in-law oversees it. Uh, doesn't that sound wonderful? And again, thinking, going back to that Kimberly Ann Johnson quote, is this a luxury? It sure sounds like it, but there's a, a reason. This isn't just um, pampering. At all, there is a, a reason to do these things, and, and we'll talk more about that a little bit um, in a, uh, later on in this episode, and then we'll talk even more about it in an upcoming episode. So in, as I've already talked a little bit about um, in my introduction, in the U.S., postpartum instru- instructions are meager, consisting mainly of don't lift anything heavier than your baby, don't take baths, and take it easy. 
which are usually ignored except for the bath part, and ends with a see in six weeks. Unless, of course, you have a home birth midwife, and then hopefully your instructions were a little more thorough with rest and self-care. But I find that even the current midwifery model of care to be lacking compared to what other cultures do and what families need. So of all these cultures, they seem to have these five commonalities that in the book, The First 40 Days calls retreat, warmth, support, rest, and ritual. And then in Kimberly Ann Johnson's book, The Fourth Trimester, she calls them an extended rest period, nourishing food, loving touch, the presence of wise women and spiritual companionship, and contact with nature. So I want to talk a little bit about each of these, and then I will, like I said, I will dig deeper in upcoming upcoming episodes. I've combined um, the five things from the first 40 days and the fourth trimester, but not necessarily in the order that I read them. And I'll let you know which ones I'm covering uh, as I get to them. So number one, I want to talk about retreat or an extended rest period. So around the world, this length varies from 20 to 60 days. It consists of extended family taking over childcare and household duties. The purpose is for mama-baby bonding, healing, and both physical and spiritual integration. So during these days, your baby is looking at you, smelling you, uh, feeling you. This is time for that baby to also bond and imprint to you. So that person that that baby is seeing and hearing and smelling all the time, it's going to know that that is my mom, that is my safe place. And if baby's being passed around constantly to other people, it creates confusion and possibly even imprintation to other people other than mom and dad. Um, Moving on Many cultures believe the postpartum time, when honored, can restore health and promote lifelong health. And when ignored or abused, make women vulnerable to disease and ailments, including mental and spiritual. So um, in Ayurvedic tradition, they say, give the mom 40 days for 40 years, meaning 40 days of rest in the fourth trimester in the postpartum time so that there will be 40 years of health and vigor in their life. So every time we are robbing women of this time, then we are robbing them of long-term health and yourself. I mean, if you have no one to watch over you, you've got to take this for yourself. You're robbing yourself of health long-term In the Western culture, they give a nod to the need for six weeks, but then they abandon women during this time with no subculture to honor the woman as life giver. Number two, I'm going to combine warmth or nourishing food together. And during uh, the fourth trimester, the body loses warmth in the form of blood loss at birth. So it's really important in most traditions to keep mom warm, to keep the room warm. Um, not hot, but warm because um, cool air, chilled environment invites coolness to the body and makes it harder for the body to produce um, the red blood cells to release 
um, the extra fluids that the body builds up, which we talked about a little bit. Uh, if you listen to my podcast on building beautiful blood, you know that the b- blood volume expands by up to 50%. And so the extra fluid has to go somewhere too. And so keeping the body warm, the room warm, helps um, to facilitate the removal of the extra fluids. You can return the warmth to the body with warm, nourishing foods that are easy to digest. Um, These help ease elimination and contribute to positive milk production. Um, Things like soups, stews, and porridges that are warm, but also have warming spices in them and even minerals from um, really good quality bone broth. Avoid cold, chilled, or greasy foods. A lot of women deal with um, digestive issues, postpartum, and even gallbladder attacks. So avoiding um, cold foods and drinking warm fluids and having warm, uh, easily digestible foods will cut down on on some of those um, digestive issues. And then warm herbal baths and warm compresses. I know here in America, people love their pad sickles for postpartum compresses, but according to all the other cultures, warmth is is more healing and draws blood to the area. So that could be because blood is healing. And so having those warm compresses instead of the pad sickles there um, will contribute to warming the body. And then again, like I said, women ignore the postpartum instructions that they give except for the bath part and they feel like it's scary or going to cause infection if they take baths. But uh, like I said, in other cultures, herbal baths are promoted uh, for healing. And so that's something that you can do. There are lots of um, recipes that you can make your own or you can order some and those are really healing for not just you, but your baby too. You can bring your baby into the bath with you and the herbs that are in there will also speed the um, healing process of the the cord stump falling off. Moving on to number three, uh, we're going to combine support and presence of wise women in spiritual companionship. And I love this one so much. I love to be this. I wish I could do this even more Not just for my clients, but for my friends and neighbors. So what this means most often is that birth and postpartum are considered the realm of women. They can offer physical help and soul comfort. Now this doesn't mean that you're not going to want your husband um, or sons or dad or brother around after this time. But that women most often know how to comfort and support other women even women who haven't had babies maybe it's a younger sister who isn't even married but um, knows the way of women Uh, there's no I, I feel like it's unending the amount of love and support that happens when women come together to be with each other in in a wholehearted way Uh, Again, I already kind of mentioned this, but it's women of all ages and stages in your family, church, birth circles, neighbors, or friends. Um, And the the community is not just other women who are in the childbearing ages. Incorporate those young um, teens or even, you know, preteens who are 
willing to come over and be helpful. I know in the homeschool circles, there's lots of girls who could come over and um, be with, play with your other children or throw in some laundry or just be there to be your gopher. And then, of course, we have the older women in our communities who um, can be of help and service to us that feel lonely themselves. Again, um, the bonding time of having babies reaches further than just bonding between you and your baby, but it bonds our community together to make us stronger. It's a time of separation or confinement, but it doesn't mean that you have to be alone. It's a time of gentle companionship. So inviting people who you would like to spend time with, uh, making those phone calls or writing those emails that you don't usually get a, t- get a chance to make. Um, just separating out that time to be with people who you feel loved by and bring peace into your life. So you don't have to just let anybody in. Be very careful. And you don't have to be alone either. So for number four, I'm going to combine rest and contact with nature. Uh, I love passing on the traditional midwifery guide of 555 after birth, which means five days in the bed, hopefully um, naked and skin to skin, both you and baby, so that you can bond, oxytocin can be released in your body, you can smell each other, you can feel each other, it will help your milk come in uh, quicker and more in more abundance, it will keep guests away who you don't necessarily want to entertain because you're going to be uh, naked and skin to skin with your baby during this time and it reminds you that you are resting that you've just had a baby and you need to take it easy besides heading off to the bathroom the next five days are five days in the bed Um, so you know you've rested those first five days it's most it was mostly just eating and sleeping and feeding your baby And the next five days, maybe you're sitting up in bed, you're still eating well and feeding your baby and playing with your baby, um, taking naps, but it also means maybe you're folding laundry with your little kids or doing a puzzle. Um, Maybe you're reading a book. Whatever feels good to you. You can do some easy stretches. Um, That would be really comforting to the body. There is um, some suggestions in the book Um, Let me see. It is after the baby's birth, a woman's way to wellness. She has some really great stretches and um, gentle exercises you can do after birth. And another friend told me about um, a postpartum um, um, exercise slash stretching program that you can buy. It's pretty inexpensive to help you just move a little bit and get your body um, a little bit more... um, movement and and fit after birth that isn't in any way strenuous. And then the last five days are five days around the bed. Again, this means 15 days in your bedroom. Um, The five five days around the bed, maybe you're getting up, you're in a chair, uh, maybe you're looking out the window, maybe you're doing some gentle things in your room, maybe, you know, if you're a homeschooler, maybe you wanted to start some homeschooling, but you're not going out into the main parts of the house. 
And the reason for that is if you go out there, you're going to see the things that need to get done. You're going to see the sink of dishes or the things on the floor or the laundry piled up. If you have this secluded time where you're just drawing back into a little nest, um, then you're less likely to do overdo it. And most women by the end of one week to two weeks will start feeling pretty good and tend to do more than they should and then they start bleeding a little bit more their bleeding picks up or maybe it had stopped and then they you know get moving and and bleeding picks up so listen to your body and um you know take it easy and it like I said it is not a luxury it is not um self-indulgent to take this time and, and build your nest um Some more points that I wanted to bring up under the rest in contact with nature is that many modern women fear feeling lonely or stir crazy if they do that, but it's not meant to make you feel isolated. And there's many ways that you can work around that according to your own needs. Plan for short, gentle visits with trusted women, easy activities with your children, dinner in bed with your husband, or a phone call with a friend. Set up a nursing station by a window to connect with God's creation and glory. Have a table and basket of treats and drinks. Uh, If it's a nice day where it's not too chilly, open the window so you can breathe in deep breaths of fresh air. Uh, After your 15 days, go for a short, gentle walk with your baby. And remember again, breathe in deeply. We tend to hold our breath and take very short, shallow breaths. Um, But we benefit greatly from breathing deep and inhaling all of that oxygen and fresh air all into every cell of our body. And lastly, I'm going to combine loving touch and ritual. Birth is a rite of passage worthy of honor. Some might say this is idolizing women or embracing goddess culture, but acting as if something miraculous didn't just happen robs our powerful and amazing God of glory. Romans thirteen seven says to give honor to whom honor is due. I, I love pointing out um, the work of Robbie Davis Floyd. She is an anthropologist um, and wrote the book Birth as an, as an American Rite of Passage. And in it, she talks about how ritual um, builds a community, it solidifies a community, it makes it strong, and that um, ritual is an important part of society and even um, culture and and subcultures. So um, I tie that into the way people used to think about soldiers and joining the military long ago, not that long ago, um, it was considered a great honor and courageous for young men to sign up and become a soldier to serve their country. And uh, it was, you know, they were honored when they did that. They were honored when they got out of the military or if they went out to, um, they saw battle or went into another country and came back after their serving all that time was honored and saluted and you know um stories were told and you know shared and it built 
built them up. It made them proud to be able to do this. It made them stronger. It gave them the strength to get through those really hard times. And I believe that the um, change in our culture away from men you know, being honored in this, in our culture now, um, joining the military is very much looked down on, uh, in a lot of circles and our military doesn't know if they're going to get a handshake and a thank you or a spit in the face for what they do. Um, and so it makes it harder for them to do what they need to do whenever they don't have the support and the backing. Um, whenever half of our culture believes that it's a, it's a cowardly thing to do because they, they, you know, are against big government, which I'm against big government too. But um, I don't know if I'm articulating this exactly the way I want to, but just that it, you know, it makes it harder on them and they're not as, as proud to be able to do that. They don't draw strength from it as they used to. And I think that it's the same in the birth world where women are honored and seen for what they're doing, this amazing thing that God created us to do um, as females. And men can't have babies. Only it is the realm of women. And um, the Almighty created us to make a baby and to birth that baby and to feed that baby. And every single thing, even though it's something that happens over and over and over again every single day, doesn't mean that it's any less of a miracle every single time. And so it is a major thing to do. Our culture recognizes um, how fearful and they have a lot of anxiety around it, but it is this amazing, powerful um, thing that women do that we're called to do and, and that we do in all kinds of circumstances. And yet, because it's not honored, because it's not looked at as something positive, um, as this great purpose and calling, then the healing from it is also not taking serious, taken seriously. And so I believe that when we start honoring the births of our children, the women that are birthing, the um, women who are feeding their babies and just letting them know how amazing it is and how strong they are that that is contributing to women feeling like it's not as important in their lives that um you know that they need to work outside the home in order to feel um validated or like they're contributing to society and i have no problems with women working outside the home Uh, Obviously, I work outside the home too some, but I really would love it to get back to um, women knowing how important this calling is as moms, as wives, as homekeepers, that we're doing amazing and great things. And I believe that if we get back to honoring women postpartum for their birth, that they will be strengthened in their motherhood for the rest of their lives, no matter if they have one baby or ten more babies. Ah, Sorry about that little rabbit trail, I think. Let's get back on track. So ritual creates relationship and connection to our Heavenly Father and to one another. Ritual acknowledges the mother 
and holds together the social order, formally acknowledging motherhood as a sense of purpose and power, decreasing fear of birth, stress, and depression. Cultural examples of ritual and loving touch are, in Eastern cultures, they may adorn the new mom with henna, or in Indonesia, mothers are purified, quote-unquote, with herbs and given a womb massage. The infant is named and a feast is given. In Jewish and Messianic communities, there's the bris or the simchat bat, where baby is named and celebrated. Some other examples of ritual or loving touch are massage, which flushes the lymph system and recalibrates hormones, and places hor- or excuse me, places organs in their original position. There's herbal baths, which we talked about before, yoni steams or vaginal steams, and belly wrapping or binding. So there's lots of different ways that this can look. Um, and you can create your own if you don't already have your own cultural um, prescription for after birth. Do the things that sound good to you. And the things that resonate and that you have the resources for. Well, that's all for today. I want to go into more detail in each of these five areas in the future. And hopefully I'll be able to do that in a couple weeks. Next week I will be in California at a birth and prayer summit. And I'm really excited about that. So maybe I will get to tell you a little bit how that went on my next podcast. But until then, see you soon.